Yes, it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey, what if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye. I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Hello, hello, hello. Glad to be with you on this Monday, Melvin Law Monday. We just got off the press conference Zoom with Todd Grantham. A couple of players, Ventrell Miller, one of them. I'd not heard him before. Um, and we'll tell you all about that in a minute. It's uh, been a busy news day for things in the SEC. We'll talk to Tony Barnhart about some of these things. Not a good day for LSU. LSU has lost a couple of players already, including the number one receiver and their best defensive player. So um, that's coming up. Uh, We'll talk about the COVID situation, Alabama, the march in Tuscaloosa with Nick Saban leading the way with his players, uh, et cetera. And, of course, as we know, lots of COVID talk. And down or up, I should say, in Arkansas, good news for the Razorbacks, Felipe Franks having a good day at practice scrimmage over the weekend, having a four-touchdown day in practice. So good for Felipe. We're always glad to see that. So, yeah, we welcome you to the program tonight, presented by Meldon Law. In a moment, we're going to hear from Jeffrey Meldon. We're also going to tell you about his law practice and, of course, the latest involvement Jeffrey has all in in supporting the Ocala Quarterback Club, the Scott Bradley Trophy, uh, he's the newest member of the Gatorbait Lighthouse. I'll tell you about Jeffrey and the situation in just a moment uh, and uh, let you know what's going on. Good evening to David Baldoff. David Baldoff's early tonight. He's in the house already, and that's uh, that's unusual for Baldoff to be here that early, but glad to see him. Uh, Brian Marchman, Becky Smith Carlisle, always early. Paul Bell, good evening to you, my friend. Nice to hear you and see you again. Um, Dilly Dilly to Kyle McGraw. Hello to Patrick Fantas. Gene Kirst, nice to see you. Gene Chris Centerfoot, good evening to you. Freddie Weeby, my man. Dilly Dilly to you, Freddie. Thanks for all your help. Appreciate it. Freddie, of course, is the sort of directs things for Shane Matthews and uh if you want some good uh, advertising in the morning show with Shane, uh, he's the guy to contact. Nat Blaylock, good evening to you, my friend. Richard James, haven't heard from you for a while in the West Marco. So like and share and tell your friends we're here uh, before we go to the hotline and talk to our good friend Tony Barnhart about things that are going on. Let me tell you about Melvin Law uh, and uh, why you should be aware of it in Ocala and Gainesville. Jeffrey's known all over North Central Florida. He's been here. Since 1971, I had to do some math with Jeffrey today because 
he thought he'd been here 47 years. I said, to by my count, and I'm not good at math, if you're here in 1971, that's probably more. But that, what am I going to say? I'm not. I'm terrible at math. So uh, Jeffrey uh, has an office, Meldon Law, of course, uh, located in Gainesville and Ocala, the Brick City Lawyers. If you have inform- need information on that, the telephone number is 800-373-8000. Uh, one of the things we're going to talk about with Jeffrey, and we'll hear from him later in the program, is that uh, you need to know how to pick an attorney. You need to know also what you're looking for, and he can help you with those things. It's a free consultation. Meldon Law Monday. You deserve justice. Let us fight for it. Most Florida accident victims and those arrested on DUI charges want their questions answered and their options explained to them with respect, understanding, and in terms they can understand. At Meldon Law, our dedicated and innovative team of experienced accident attorneys and criminal defense lawyers do just that. In addition to that, our team puts an emphasis on providing the personal attention. That's why they have that Meldon Law, where you matter, you matter most. That's the slogan. I'm going to talk to Jeffrey about that slogan, what it means. You like to know you matter in anything you do today in business. Uh, Jeffrey Meldon is a proud member of the Million Dollar and Multi-Million Dollar, Ab- Dollar Advocates Forums, which are the most prestigious group of trial lawyers in the U.S. These groups' memberships are limited to attorneys who won million-dollar and multi-million-dollar verdicts and settlements. Fewer than 1% of lawyers nationwide are members of the night. Meldon Law, you matter most. Time to go out to the hotline and see if we can catch up with our friend, uh, Tony Barnhart, Mr. Cops Football. Uh, Tony and I have been talking all summer, and we didn't know if we'd get to this week or not. But here we are now. It's getting uh, it's getting close. You can smell it in the air. And, of course, there's reports every day of coverage. We don't really – we're uncertain. But like we said, coaches say take it one game at a time. We say take it one day at a time around here because we just don't know. We have to have contingency plans at all times. So, as we know – Meanwhile, they're going to have a practice. Things happening in Tuscaloosa. Uh, we'll talk with Tony about that. The march today, Nick Saban had. I noticed he got criticized by some people on the Paul Feinbaum show. And you wonder, uh, you know, what people are thinking about that when a coach sees his team. We'll get Tony's take on that. It's Tony. And this is the voice of Mr. College Football himself, Tony Barnhart. What's up, T? Well, we're just getting a day closer. My friend, uh, tomorrow yeah. September first will be September twenty sixth. Before you know it, when we get to play SEC football, so. and lots of it, we're hopeful. You're right. We we've drew. Well, we're, we, we're, yeah. Go ahead. I'm just saying we. I feel pretty good about getting started. Mm-hmm. Can we get through the whole season? Can we manage the outbreaks that are going to happen? That we can't be naive. Uh, but if we can manage it and get to the end, it'll it'll be a, a, it'll be a season that, buddy, that we will always remember. It will, and here it might remember it so well that people won't want to have it any different. I mean, think about it. We talked about this <laughs> SEC football every day. Are you kidding me? You know, you uh, you think I want this all the time. What are they going to do then? Well, it's going to be interesting. Do you go to because if you will look down the road, look at the future schedules of Florida and Georgia and Alabama, Tennessee, there are a lot of great non-conference games that have now been scheduled into the part of this decade and, and later on. 
and boy, I don't know if they want to give those up or not. But what about this? What, what about if we played went back to playing eleven games, ten conference games, and one big old non-conference game? The Gators, of course, would want to play Florida State, I'm sure. So what what if we did what if we did that? I mean, fans are going to get. You're right. Fans are going to get spoiled with ten conference games this year. That's perfect with that one extra with that rival game, and you know, Florida gets FSU, you know, Georgia Tech gets Georgia. You know, Clemson gets South Carolina. Some of those games, Louisville gets Kentucky. And the the plus one season, shall we say. But here we are. You're right. It's September the 1st, tomorrow. We still got ball, and we're excited. Now, things are not that way everywhere. I want to talk to you about what's going on down in Baton Rouge. Not yep. good news. Jamar Chase opting out top receiver on the team. And I think they're a big tackle whose name escapes me. He today announced he was opting out. He's probably their best defensive player. Uh, So that's not going on the day when one of their most illustrious alumni gets cut by the the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, This is not a uh, good day to be a Tiger. No, but, you know, I think they are down to like six players left in that national championship team. Uh, And the Jamar Chase thing just blows you away because he – he had come back to school and gone through all of this. And I guess somebody speculated to me, and this kind of makes sense, is that you go through it, but then it starts, the season starts looking really real to you when it gets close. And then all of a sudden, you hire an agent on the side, and the agent says, What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's what it's saying. Particularly in the case of Jamar Chase, because you're talking about a guy who had an SEC championship a national championship, won the Bolitnikoff Award, so he's already established himself as the best player at his position. I'm sure his agent said, you got nothing to prove, guy. You got nothing to prove at all except going out and getting sick. So just just, just, just leave now. And I think, I, I'll bet you that's what happened with him. Could have very well been. I want to ask you to speak up a little. We're having audio difficulties. A little bit low. It's probably on our end. If you could compensate it by speaking a little up a little bit more, that would be good. Uh, yeah, Tony, yeah, the things are happening. I mean, um, there was a pretty dramatic scene today in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I know all the coaches are doing. Dan Mullen did it last Friday, um, and uh, they're marching with their with their players. You look at uh, you know what what is uh, Nick's what. 68? I don't know how old is Nick. Uh, he, is, he, is, he is 68. And right. so a little bit harder for him than it is for those young players. But he's out there in that heat. He's walking, and it made a really good visual. I don't know if you watched it, but what did you think? And I couldn't believe some people criticized him for doing it. I saw it. I saw it. And, I, and at the same time I saw it, I saw somebody criticizing him. And I, my thought was, Nick Saban is doing what leaders do. He was leading, okay? He was leading his players in something that was very important to them. And and the folks the folks who, who don't like that are going to probably have to get over it because nobody knows the players better than their coach. Nobody is more dialed in to what they're feeling and what's important to them. And, uh, you know, maybe they, maybe he made some people mad, but you know what? Uh, if he doesn't go, he may lose his locker room, which is a lot worse. For sure. Uh, for sure. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of what you expect your coach to do, right? 
if you if you're going to play with these guys and you're going to be stand for them and you, I think some of the leadership stuff has been good. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit different situation, unfortunately, uh, today than it was back in the day. And some fans are having a little difficulty actually seeing players speak out. I don't know how it sounds to you. I admire it. I think some people are afraid of it. What is your thought? People are going to have to get used to it, buddy, because this is the way it's going to be. The players have the players have found their voice. They have said, this is something that we feel strongly about. This is something we, we want to do, and we're going to use the power that we have to do these things. And so the – the fans, the fans who don't like it, are going to have to get used to it because this, this is the way it's going to be moving forward. Let's set the table. We've got football coming. It won't be here for a little bit. I don't know if you watched Austin P in uh, Central Arkansas. I, I got to admit, I couldn't watch much of it, but I did watch a couple plays. Well, you saw the big play at the opening of the game when uh, it was yep. it Austin P scored the first time of the first play of the season. So you knew football was back, but it's going to be September 26 before you know things start getting thick around here, uh, and then we're going to go for it. So, so shake down this whole SEC season. Let's start with the commissioner Greg Sankey, who, by the way, if there's an award to give away for commissioners, he might win it because if this thing works, he'll look like a genius. He'll look like a you know, the next CEO of Apple. Um, and, of course, we don't know that, but there's a brilliant move by Sankey. Uh, and so now coming up on 26th of September, we've got some pretty good openers, not the best ones. They did a smart thing. They built it a little soft in the first week, probably thinking they might not get yep. to, you know, might have to wait till the next week. we got Alabama, Missouri, Florida at Ole Miss, Georgia at Arkansas, Kentucky at Auburn. Mississippi State at LSU, Tennessee at South Carolina, Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. Now, this is their A, B, or C schedule, okay? And even that's not that bad, is it? No, because it's, it's nothing but conference games. So, it's, so I, first of all, I think the, I think the Kentucky-Auburn game has a chance to be really good. Mm. I think Florida going to Ole Miss, first game for Lane Kiffin. As head coach there, I think that's got uh, that's got a chance. You know, Tennessee playing South Carolina in Columbia. Tennessee, you know, it's it, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, South Carolina, Mike Bobo's now the offensive coordinator there, so there's there's some good story storylines there. And uh, yeah, buddy, I really think they they as you said they on purpose they didn't make the first week very tough because if they had if something went wrong and they had to move it they could move all those games to December 12th. Uh, and so I, th- I think that had a lot to do with – because the following week uh, we start, you know, Alabama, Texas A&M, the second week, Georgia, Auburn, and Athens. I mean, my goodness, uh, that, that's pretty strong. Let's talk about Georgia for a second. The team that has it all supposedly – this is going to be the Bulldogs' year, maybe. We'll see. Unfortunately, they've got a, a new offensive coordinator, Munkin, and they've got a new quarterback. We're not sure who yet. Um, I'm not sure what McDaniel, what what this situation is with the with the kid who's injured. Um, so, by every by every calculation, this would be the time for for Kirby Smart 
to step up and make a statement and get to the SEC championship game to play against his old boss. Yet there's a, a little bit of doubt there, and I think Florida, Florida the Florida Gators are a reason for that. Uh, so far, has anything changed your mind about those teams, Florida and Georgia, and how do you see it sizing up right now? Well, I think I think Georgia's got some real-world issues. They, they, they've got to rebuild an offensive line. They lost two first-round draft choices, but they've got the pieces to do it. Matt Luke, uh, former Ole Miss coach, is good, very good offensive line coach. They got him uh, to replace Sam Pittman, and so they feel good about that. Their receiving core, which was already very, very thin, took a hit this week. Dominic Blaylock is out for the year with a with a torn ACL, uh, I believe it is. And so they, one of the Georgia weaknesses is going to be a wide receiver. They got young talent, but uh, they've got to do some things there. So I think, and I think Georgia's going to be very, very good on defense. So right now. Uh, we, we, you know, we'll see. I'm giving Georgia a slight edge over Florida, but I think Florida is very, very close because they they have veteran players in the place where it counts, and that's a quarterback. Todd Grantham had his first presser tonight, Tony, uh, and I'll let round I'll wrap up the session with this comment. Uh, he obviously his he really likes his young players. He likes his backs. He likes his lineman, Jervon Dexter. He's got a kid whose last name I can't, I can't pronounce it. He calls his first name was Princely. <laughs> his last name. There's a lot of good young talent on the squad, and you know I asked Greg about his style, attacking style, and I love to watch defense like that. And it's important that his that he have interchange that he have sort of. Cross-trained players everywhere. His secondary, his corner can play safety, vice versa. His his uh, you know his his star player can play anywhere. They call it star position. And I asked him about his style and about what his philosophy was about calling some of these walk-off blitzes. He said, like against Tennessee, and he said, "It's." It, I said, "Is there a feeling?" He said, "Well, it's more about execution, but there is something to the feeling." And he says, sometimes they dial up a play at a time based on something they saw in the film four years ago. I think that's mm-hmm. fascinating the way he approaches that. Yet he doesn't seem to get the respect of other defensive coordinators in the league. In your mind, as Mr. College Football and the observer of all things SEC, where does Todd Grantham stand? You know him. He used to coach at Georgia. Uh, he coached at Georgia, coached at Mississippi State. I've known him. For a long time, got a, uh, I think I think a lot of him because he's he is one of those guys who tries to keep the other offensive coordinator off balance, throw throw different things, confuse the quarterback, stress stress him and press him, and do all kinds of things like that. So I think the guys, uh, I think he's a really really good coach, and I remember that Dan Mullen hired him at, at Mississippi State because mm-hmm. he needed somebody to shake things up, and Todd Grantham did that and uh, came on with him to Florida. So I, I think the guy's really good. Mr. College Football checking in with us and giving us the lowdown on all things SEC because that's what we're focused on this year. Uh, it's okay with me. Great to have you on, Tony. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you again soon, hopefully before the season starts, maybe once or twice. All right, buddy. Take care. Thank you, Tony Barnhart. Mr. College Football. That's a great name, isn't it? Mr. College Football. All right, so we're going to see if we can step in now and get a hold of Graham Hall. I want to be sure and tell you about Red Star Medical Research. 
uh, remember, Superior Medical Research Facility with a proven reputation as a high-quality, patient-centered clinical research facility. Rinstar Medical Research brings cutting-edge clinical research trials to Ocala in areas like Alzheimer's disease, psoriasis, osteoarthritis, migraine, and fibromyalgia, along with many other conditions that affect our community. Clinical research studies are regulated by the FDA, and the safety is closely monitored by Independent Review Board. Free memory evaluation, call them at 352-629-5800, 352-629-5800, or go online at www.renstar.net and find out more about Renstar Medical Research, seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. I want to also thank Jeffrey Meldon for his participation he now stepped up to become a sponsor for the Ocala Quarterback Club, uh, which we're grateful. The Scott Bradley Trophy, very much involved in things like that with his scholar-athlete program, um, and uh, also will be a member of the prestigious Lighthouse Builders <coughs> for Gator Bay. <clears throat> it's, our, uh, it's our advisory board. So thank you, Jeffrey, for that. Also, I want to talk, I'm going to let you hear the bite from Urban on Urban's uh, podcast, which uh, we ran uh, last weekend. It's up there now on anywhere you get podcasts. And I think it's uh, really a good one. I asked Urban about Dan Mullen. What was the trait he thought he knew that nobody else did? And here's what he said. Uh, Dan Mullen, what can you tell us about Dan Mullen that we don't know that you do know? I think Dan uh, is one of the smartest people, not just football coaches I've ever been around. Um, the one thing that I teach in our class, and I really believe the best uh, leaders and coaches and corporate leaders I've been around, that they have a very strong core. And core is is Latin for heart. And, and that means that they, they have strong beliefs. And they're not just... Uh, impulsive beliefs. It's well thought out. Dan is a very well thought out person. And I'm not talking about X and O's. I'm talking about human behavior. I'm talking about relationship with his family. I'm talking about uh, obviously how to run an organization. Very well thought out. I knew that from a very young age. Because remember, Dan joined me at Notre Dame as a graduate assistant. I know. He became my trusted soldier. I mean, he was my guy that I counted on him for really everything. Uh, Ryan Day, ironically, is from the same state same area i think it's manchester new hampshire and that uh, chip kelly's from that way and he has very similar qualities the thing i don't think you asked me a question what people really know about dan is how tough that guy really is he's a tough guy tough skin tough mentality um, and i appreciate his toughness and that's why i think he's that's one of the qualities of a great coach okay pretty high praise from urban meyer and even though he's only a long time to help raise him, and uh, you see a guy smart and he's tough, that's a good combination. I don't necessarily think of Dan uh, as being a tough guy, but apparently he's tougher than we know, um, and uh, he showed that in certain situations. I've heard him on the headsets during the time as an offensive quarterback coach at Florida, and he he he, gets, he believes in truth to power, and he will uh, step up there and he will. Uh, he will deliver, and he'll say, I don't think we should call that play. I think we should call this play. And like Dan's, like uh, Urban said in his, in his podcast, uh, it's what you want your coaches to do. You don't want a bunch of yes men around you, right? 
And so that was a very telling comment by Urban about Dan Mullen, who, by the way, could rapidly become, you know, one of the best young coaches we have at Bike will play tomorrow night. Talks about Ryan Day and Dan Mullen, two of the very best young coaches in the business. So we dial the phone and go up and see if we can get a hold of the Minister of Information straight from Gainesville and the press conference he just heard. And we'll ask him what his thoughts were about it. Graham Hall, what did you think there of Todd Grantham? Well, you know, 30 minutes of Todd Grantham, uh, you're going to learn a whole lot. And I, and I think we did, you know, we didn't go down the up and up and down the entire roster. Uh, but I think we learned a whole lot. And, and as we should, you know, for those who are keeping score at home, we haven't really talked to anyone. Uh, this is our first chance to talk to players since I believe March 7th that we, we got one opportunity one before everything in spring abruptly shut down and, and really didn't get a chance to talk to Todd Grantham since that bowl game in late December of last year. So certainly was a catching up period. And we covered 17 year olds all the way to 22 year olds with Stuart Reese and, and how they've looked going against that new look Gators offensive line. And then the most recent addition, 17 year old Kamar Wilcoxon, who Marco Wilson said, you know, can always reach out to him and that he's getting a huge head start on his college career. So I thought it was very informative. Uh, you know, Todd Grantham said some very exciting things. I thought about Brenton Cox, what he did to earn the number one Jersey, what he's seen out of those various defensive linemen, um, the linebackers, including Ventrell Miller, James Houston, who have to step into, you know, big shoes left by David Reese. Uh, and, he called, I, I think one thing that's kind of stood out here, um, he called Marco Wilson, uh, I think the most versatile yeah. uh, defensive back that he's coached. And, yeah, that's amazing. And, a lot of them, yeah. You know, that's high praise. You know, I, I, I don't think that Marco needs any more motivation, but um, that certainly is, is something that uh, he can look to. And um, maybe that'll make him a little bit hungry. You know, you look at a guy like, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, you know, even though he's had a few, I think, issues with the program since he left the program, um, I think that when you look at how he benefited from playing the star position, and now you look at how Chauncey, or how you look at how Marco is getting reps at star as well, uh, I think that they are setting him up and telling him, listen, you can be even better um, if you use that versatility to your advantage this season. What did you think of Marco Wilson? I thought he was very mature tonight, and he in the roles, and he was asked questions. He answered them directly. Like, did he? Given all the great players that have come through here in recent years, they're playing at the next level. Does he motivate to be one of those? And so, and he said, "Yeah, I think about it every day." He owned it, didn't he? He did own it. You know, that wasn't the only uh, tough question. That he answered. Uh, as to that one, you know, I think you talk about the DBU legacy at Florida, and, and there's kind of like a fine line that players have to balance. You have to give respect to the past and the players that motivated you to come to the University of Florida as well. But I also saying that, hey, I'm motivated to be even better than all of them, um, while also being respectful. And, and I think Marco did just that. You know, it's pretty easy when uh, you're familiar with. You know, not only his father, but his, his brother, Quincy Wilson, the legacy that he left at Florida, and, and guys like T. Saber and Vernon Hargraves, who were there right before him, and uh, him wanting to be in the conversation, I think is certainly, you know, nothing that he should shy away from saying to people, but absolutely something that Florida fans would want. 
it's going to be uh, interesting to see how he's used this year because if he's used at multiple spots, at, at nickel, at star, at corner, it's really going to be hard for him to assert that legacy as uh, you know this all-time uh, cornerback, if, if that's really what he wants. But ultimately, I think that the message that he's hearing is that what may be best for, for Florida this year is the ability to send different looks out there and, and run Kair and, and Marco um, and Trey Dean in a package with, with two other safeties out there to have five defensive backs out there at a time in, in one package um, it would be very, uh, I think, advantageous in certain scenarios for Florida. And, and Marco would kind of be the catalyst for all that. And I think that he's hearing that message. And for a guy that suffered as devastating injuries as he has with the, with the multiple ACL injuries, he, he realizes that his football intelligence and how he's bounced back and his knowledge of the game is what's going to be able to still uh, make him a successful NFL player, uh, ultimately. Ventro Miller spoke tonight. I had not heard him before. Maybe you had. Uh, they talked, Grantham talked about his leadership and, in fact, uh, his skills um, and that he's developed and what if, uh, fundamentals and so on and so forth. Uh, and. Uh, he didn't have the voice of a leader because you just didn't expect that. Now, Marco, you can see it from him. But I guess he leads by example. They've really been praising Ventrell Miller, and they like the linebackers that they got. I think the thing with Ventrell is that, you know, he kind of just exudes positivity, uh, really is not going to let too much get him down, um, and isn't afraid uh, to let you know when, when he needs help. And, and that's kind of sometimes one of those traits that football coaches are always looking for because it, it leans into that word that we love throwing out there. That's one of those cliche bud words, coachability. Uh, it, it's, you know, a guy who's, uh, you know, unafraid to go over to his position coach or even a fellow teammate who's older than him and been in the system a year longer and say, what should I have done there? What did you see there? You know, just little questions like that and, and being able to vocalize, you know, in like very easy way, um, is is I think one of his best uh, traits. Um, you know, as for him and James Houston, you know they've always kind of had David Reese right there next to them to guide them. And uh, if they didn't know the play call uh, and and the sub who was subbing, they could look to him and ask. And they're not going to have him there this year. They're going to have to be the guys that are looking at you know guys like Derek Wingo um, and, and the other linebackers there. They're going to have to be looking at them and saying. Um, and Tyron Hopper, they spoke highly of him tonight as well. They're going to have to be the ones looking at them and saying, this is the play call, and there, there's no room for error because then you have everyone else's responsibility on your shoulders as well. So certainly I think that Ventrell, the talk for him tonight was him understanding that uh, will be a big key. If he, if he can, the guy who can lead everyone else and is able to be that vocal role on the field and, and he can be loud um, will be the one uh, that, earns the reps for Florida in the middle. It struck me as he was going through his squad, and we don't have a three deep yet. We don't really know, but they're going to play a lot of players, and that's what he said he wanted to do. The interchangeability of that secondary, and now they're talking about the defensive linemen. He was very pleased with his front seven. I mean, obviously, Dexter's making noise. We're getting names. I can't pronounce Princely's last name, and I asked him about it. He said he just calls her Princely. Uh, you and Milan, how do you say that name? Do you know? I don't know how to say it. I, I said Uman Milan, but I okay. you know I could be totally wrong. I no. hope that we could you know, I look forward to being able to ask him. I think we'll know his name before he gets out of here because he looks like he's going to be a heck of a player. So we're just hearing some of these names 
now verbalized because we and we have just seen some players that we haven't seen this year. So we we what do we know tonight that we didn't know before the day started? That they're going to be one like that you said. I think that they're going to be a lot of players that jump onto people's radar. If you don't follow recruiting, I think really intently, you're gonna I think have to look up a few people this year, and that's kind of by design. Whenever I think you know you hear Florida fans talk about some of the strengths uh, of this Dan Mullen program right now, you, you hear the consistency and familiarity with the scheme and, and the program. And uh, I think then also the retention, not having as many people hit the transfer portal and leave and have guys who have maybe they're not jumping into starter roles uh, without being a, you know a, a second string, third string guy, two, three years in the program. I think those are the strengths of this this team right now and and that allows you you know how do you capitalize on that one of the ways is to be able to sub consistently and change up your looks and and that's what Todd Grantham spoke about tonight doing uh so you're going to see a lot of people running in and out freshmen uh getting looks you're, you're going to see you know a lot of redshirt freshmen that didn't, didn't play last year like Jalen Humphreys um Jalen Lee guys like that you're going to see though a lot of young defensive linemen especially some freshmen like Irvon Dexter as well that are going to get minutes because Florida has a little bit of a, a they're lacking in the interior of the defensive line aside from Kyrie Campbell and Tadaryl Slayton and you're going to see some guys get some serious minutes we learned that tonight and, and uh, I think the next one is that Brendan Cox I think is a, a little more of a leader uh, than people uh, I think anticipated they should have known that a few weeks ago when he got the number one jersey but Todd Grantham really praised him tonight, said that he's smart, a leader, does all the right things in the locker room, high GPA, uh, really kind of set a high, high bar for him so far this year. Um, I, I, I think that when you look around um, at the defensive backs, you look at Trey Dean, there are certainly some players that have something to prove. So I would not be surprised if you, if you see a lot of young defensive backs, Jalen Hill, Chester Kimbrough, play serious minutes for this for this team here the big question mark for me so far which i think could either go really really either way i think is the safety position for florida i'm looking forward to speaking to some of those young safeties here um and some of the older ones sean davis still in the program as well um I'm looking forward to speaking to them in the, in the coming weeks i but, think they got some good ones i mean good ones coming back i mean what the hell we talked about Steiner tonight looking good let's get back for a second yeah. to cox Lots and lots of questions about Brent Cox. As he was asked about how do you get number one jersey and had to make a snap in the game. He made a very important point. He said there are other ways in our program that you can, you know, you can you can excel and be a part of it. Apparently his academics have been off the charts, but very good. His his demeanor, his uh, as he called it, social, academic, athletic. Brenton Cox is uh, really a leader, and we know he's got football ability. Now, he said when asked about it, he said, well, he's learning the game. He's learning a few fundamentals and things that he didn't know before. He's equipping him, but you got the feeling he knows he's got something special. Well, last year, you know, they were petitioning to get him on the field, you know, as soon as he got here, and that that kind of told us right away, okay, if, if they really think that he could handle it, maybe, you know, his football intelligence – is higher than than advertised. Uh, I, I think that everything we've heard in the 12 months since has absolutely backed that up. 
that we saw practice videos. We've seen clips of him working out in the offseason. Without getting a spring in a traditional offseason, I, I was a little bit worried about where he'd bleed, where he'd be um, where, with the scheme, but uh, we haven't heard anything from that sense. Obviously, it's a different story when you get to game time, but there was a reason he, you know, he was as highly coveted as he was at coming out of high school, and he, he was as good as he was at Georgia. So I would not be surprised if, if uh, he would be the starter um, at a defensive end um, on, on Saturday, on September 26th. Uh, he's a guy that I think that when you look at him and um, what he did, as I said, as a freshman, and then you look at his familiarity with, with the scheme and how he can help some younger people, Florida has a lot of young defensive linemen. And, and I think that um, when he's going to be in there, he's going to be able to tell guys what to do, especially some younger guys, um, like I said, on the interior who are going to be next to him often. I, I think you'll have a lot of situations like that where you have a young guy next to an older guy um, when, when Florida rotates up. So they're going to get very creative uh, with their rotations this year so they really can have um, a lot of information a lot, uh, dispersed between the guys, some people who are familiar with some stuff and, and guys who are still learning the playbook. That's been a common topic this year is there's been a lot of catching up period, a lot of people really trying to get uh, – take advantage of, of those reps because uh, no spring and no traditional offseason, like I said, has kind of uh, accelerated, if, if anything, um, the rush right now in fall camp to, to get everything uh, together. Good stuff from the Minister of Information. We'll talk to him next Monday. Have a great week, and uh, we're getting closer to football all the time there, Graham. We are. You know, my fingers are crossed. Everyone stay safe, stay healthy. It's my pleasure, buddy, to be here every Monday. Y'all take care out there, GNK. I'll talk to you next week. Pleasure to have you. Appreciate it. You know he's been around for a while because he knows what GNK is, right? So there uh, you go. So, all right, I want to get this in before we talk to friends. I had a visit with our friend Jeffrey Melton today. He's really been a special guy for us. He's helped us every way here in Ocala and Gazel, especially on matters in the community. He's been sensational. So I talked to Jeffrey today for a minute. I visited with him the first of every month about Melvin Law, what it means, what he's about, what he's trying to do. Here's some of the things that he said. Every month we get to talk to Jeffrey Melvin and Melvin Law and catch up with what's going on in his world and the world in Gainesville and all the things he represents. And it's that time again for, to do that on the Buddy Martin Show. Jeffrey Melvin, by the way, Melvin Law, sponsor of Melvin Law Monday, joins us on the program. And, and Jeffrey, it's great to be back with you. Oh, buddy, it's great to be back with you. Uh, it's the first day of uh, classes at the University of Florida, and everybody's all excited. Perfect timing. Let's hope and pray all goes well with the COVID and for the campus and all the things. To, and also, by the way, pretty soon a football game, less than a month away. I know you're happy about that. Let's hope that holds together. Are you getting excited about Dan Mullen's team, and what do you think's going to happen? Well, absolutely. I think the Gators are, are here to stay now under Dan Mullen. It sure looks like they, they got a great recruiting class uh, they've put together. And uh, I think the players that we're going to put on the field this year are going to uh, make a big difference. No, you're a huge University of Florida supporter. You have so many roots there. You, of course, uh, Damon taught at law school there. And you're a big fan. You're a supporter of the program. Uh, and I know that you love – talking about your beloved Gators, which we'll do a lot this fall. But today I want to focus on something else that's really important. 
and that is you've always been big on giving back to the community. And I got another example of that. I listed some of your things that you're doing last time. You have your lot of groups of things, people you're helping out. And I wanted to talk about particularly Ocala, by the way, the Brick City Lawyers. You can call them at 800-373-8000 and find out more about that. I want to ask you about how to get a lawyer in a minute. But giving back to the community, your presence is being felt in Ocala and all over North Central Florida. And I'm really happy to announce that you'll be a sponsor of the Scott Brantley Trophy, uh, which is an award for a student, athlete, football player, citizen, kind of like your scholar athlete that you've been doing. Uh, You're now a quarterback club sponsor, what kind of quarterback club celebrating football since 1955, and a member, actually a lifetime subscriber of Gator Bait and a member of the Lighthouse Group number 28, which means that you'll be weighing in on issues affecting people who who are reading and taking part in Gator Bait and sponsor of the Urban Meyer Podcast. I want to publicly thank you for your support of this program, for all the things you mentioned, and it's just terrific to have a person like you stepping up in our community, as you do in Gainesville, to make things better. Uh, As one of uh, your so-called competitors said, who's a fellow lawyer, I told him you were coming to town to advertise. He said, good. Anything he can do to make Ocala and Marion County better, I'm all for it. Well, thank you very much, uh, buddy. I, uh, I After this uh, show, I'm going to have to run out and get a jersey with 28 put on it because I'm, <laughs> I'm very proud to be a member of the Lighthouse group, and there's some great uh, names in that group yeah. that uh, are dedicated to supporting everything that you do to help uh, our community and the Gators. Yes, and Mike McGinnis, who, by the way, is also <clears> – <throat> Uh, a lighthouse member and captain of the Ocala Quarterback Club does a lot. Former SEC official, he knows who you are. Mike's a grandfather. He's on his leadership. The Quarterback Club has done very well, and we welcome you to all of that. And once again, thank you. Now, I want to talk about some business. Okay, I want to know. People don't really know sometimes how to select a lawyer, how to find a lawyer. You get questions all the time. Well, who should I get? How should I get them? But before I do that. Let me ask you, your slogan, you matter most, what does that mean? What it means is that the folks that come to us are our our North Star. We want to help people, and it's not all about ourselves. You know, know, lawyers, I think, get a bad name because they go on, you know, TV and, uh, uh, you know, everywhere, and it's all about them, and they're the best, and they're the greatest. Uh, What we try to do is make people feel like they're family. We want to m- make it about them. So that's what you matter most means. And I think that I've been practicing uh, law here in North Central Florida for almost uh, you know 47 years now. And I absolutely am devoted to our clients. And that's how we get most of our cases. Friends and family, people that know us, uh, they give us a call and they say, Jeffrey, you know, I got this situation. What do you recommend? And by the way, that's exactly what they want. In today's world, where we have to go on hold all the time, we sign up for a bank account or an insurance policy or something, and it's like trying to get information or even customer service is a frustrating thing. 
People want to know that they matter. They certainly want to know they matter to their lawyer because their, their future's in your hands. So I think that's a wonderful slogan. I wish more people had it. And by the way, my math is probably not good, but didn't you arrive in Gainesville in 1970 and open your office in 71? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I try not to age myself too much, though, buddy. You look good. By the way, I think it's closer to 49 <laughs> years than 47. So if that, my math is right. But nonetheless, you've been here almost a half a century as a local attorney. And I think that's – and what you've done has been terrific. All right. Thanks, Jeffrey. Uh, we'll hear more from Jeffrey later in the week. He'll be checking in with us. So thanks for his support. Uh, we're going to go get the, the Iron Duke now and finish up the night. He's the anchor man. He's got stuff to say. He didn't get a chance to hear the press conference, I don't believe. So we'll talk more. I want to tell you about the conversation that I had with um, with, uh, with uh, somebody about Todd Grantham. Actually, with Todd Grantham. Questions that I asked him, and we're going to see if we can dial in. <clears throat> okay, let's see if we can get the Iron Duke. He's waiting there now, and he's getting a little bit antsy, I can tell, just by the vibe I'm getting from him. So... He'll show up here momentarily, hopefully. Uh, we haven't seen him yet, but is that you, Francis? I am here. I hear you, but I don't we, see you. And so, well, camera is coming on, lights, uh, camera, okay. action, whatever. Well, there you go. Whatever. I see you on one side. I don't see you on the other. There you are. All right. There's that handsome face you girls are all asking about. There he is. <laughs> yeah. <break. laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, we had a long conversation tonight because we talked about Todd Grantham and we talked to Todd Grantham and a lot of people wanted to discuss it. And I thought he had a very good interview tonight, Francis. I know you had responsibilities you had to take care of there with your family. Um, or I would have had you on at the top of the show and we would have talked about it. Well, we got to talk to a couple of players, Marco Wilson, who looks very confident and um, and, and not cocky and 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 you know and knows what his responsibility is, not full of himself. He wants to play whatever position that uh, Grantham wants him to play. He'll be, of course, he'll be playing the corner. He'll start at the corner and move all of the field. And that speaks to the versatility <clears throat> and the style of Todd Grantham. I was talking to Tony Barnhart about it. He's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, and Muller often mentions that. I really have grown to like his style a lot. And I talked to him tonight and asked him about his style, about how he went about uh, the attacking and where it comes from. And the versatility is all part of that, as you know, because you can, you know, you can send, you can shoot, you can shoot a gap or you can fire a linebacker or a corner or a safety from anywhere. And he's right. He said, I said, what is the goal? He said, to make the other quarterback look bad. Well, it, 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 it's a quarterback-driven game, buddy, as, as we all know. And if, if you disrupt the quarterback, you disrupt the entire offense. And if the offense is disrupted, they're going to have a difficult time of, of executing their game plan. And I think everybody in the SEC comes to end every game with a plan that they believe that if executed well, will succeed, but quite frankly, every single game plan starts with the play at quarterback. Um, and this is going to be a season where disruption is going to be critical yeah. because 
there are so few starting quarterbacks returning in the SEC. I mean, let's face it, uh, Kellen Mond is back at, at, at with the Aggies, and, uh, you know, they got a split situation there at Ole Miss, so you can't really say they've got a, got a single starter back. Yeah, my spies say they're going to play two. <clears throat> Well, I think they, they're going to need to because I don't think John Rice Plumley throws the ball well enough to win in the SEC, although I think he runs certainly well enough. And I don't. And I think Matt Corral doesn't run as well as Lane Kiffin would like him to, although he's got an absolute bazooka of an arm. Uh, Mississippi State, K.J. Costello. K.J. Costello along with Kyle Trask, I think will probably end up being the two best quarterbacks in the SEC. And the reason I say that is K.J. Costello, even though he has never played in Mike Leach's system, is an accomplished quarterback who can make all the throws. And he's a very, very smart guy. Um, I don't think that Jamie Newman is going to... I think Jamie Newman is going to be... uh, this year's um, Kelly Bryant. You remember how Kelly Bryant came to Missouri with all the hype and pretty much a dud, which is why he sat the bench and Trevor Lawrence took over at Clemson. Um, I think Mac Wilson is going to, I mean, Mac Jones is going to be a very, very Yeah, I like Mac Jones a lot. I would put him in my top five easily. I think he'll be special. Bo, Bo Nix, another another really yeah, really yeah. good quarterback who I he impressed me as a true freshman last year. Truly impressed, particularly in the fourth quarter games. He, with the exception of the Florida game, he was pretty much lights out in the fourth quarter of he most was. ball games. Yeah, he was. Um, Terry Wilson's back at Kentucky, and I we don't talk about him very much. <clears throat> no, I think he. I think his return, if he can, th- if he can throw the ball well, is huge because we know that Kentucky can run it with that big offensive line. That, that, you know, you talk about an undervalued unit for the last three or four years, and that is Kentucky's offensive line. Uh, I, they get a lot of mileage out of that out of that group, and and for. You know, a lot of people say that may be one of the three or four best offensive lines in all of college football this year. I can't disagree with it too much. Uh, I'll tell you what, Drake Jackson there at at center, whew, boy, who wouldn't want to want that guy out there? And, uh, you know, Landon Young at left tackle, they've got two true all-stars. Here's a, here's a question for you. Which team, has, other than Alabama, has the most... Uh, Army All-Americans on the offensive line in the SEC? I couldn't tell you. Kentucky. Hmm. Four. Well, it's a good stat. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm kind of mixed on Kentucky. I think they may be a... They were overrated a little bit last year. I mean, they're a good... They're a good, solid 7-8 win team. They're not yeah, gonna. They they're not gonna win the SEC. So they're not gonna be the big boys. They'll knock off somebody once huh. in a while. And I think Mark Stoops has done a terrific job. But he's not in the league. Of the, he's not in that upper echelon where Florida's trying to punch through now to get up there with Georgia to prove they can get there and do it. Uh, we still don't know about Texas. And there's another team I'm not sure about. I hear all the great stuff about their talent. Let's see it on the field. 
Let's see what well, they can do. You know, it comes down to them. It, what can their defense do? And their defense has been vastly overrated for a long time. Um, Florida gets a break with Kentucky. Uh, you know, I, I thought playing Kentucky early in the season was going to be a really tough, tough uh, venture for the Gators, playing them first game out of, in, out of the shoot. But now Florida gets them after a road trip to Alabama on November 21st. Then they come to then they come to Florida, and I think the Gators uh, were fortunate with the way that that came about. They open up with talk about a tough schedule. They open up with Auburn, then they have Tennessee. You know, after two games uh, against the state of Mississippi, they got Ole Miss, They got t- at Tennessee and Georgia back-to-back, and then they're going to have Florida and, and, and Alabama back-to-back. Uh, I mean, Alabama, Florida, in that order, back-to-back. And, and you're right. This is a 7-3 and three team at best. You know, good enough to beat some people, but not good enough to, to become an elite team. And I'll tell you, a team that, that's going to really struggle this year, they're highly overrated, and that is LSU. A lot of talent there, but Coach O's got Coach O's losing players left and right who are opting out. Let's talk about that right now. In fact, I got a couple of news items to hit you up with. That's one, of course. Uh, getting losing Jamar Chase, he wants to go play in the in the league. You know, obviously yeah. he's going to be a top guy. Uh, you know, um, and that's, so he's going to go. And I, I can't say I blame him. You know, instead of playing, they won the national championship last year. He's going to be a. He may be the first receiver taken, um, at least a first or second. He's definitely a, a mid first rounder, if not higher. Uh, and he could lose it all by getting an injury, as we've seen. Yeah, but you know, I know something. I don't buy this. Oh my gosh, I might get injured. Then. Yeah, I know. You know, I didn't say that. I didn't say uh, that. But I, all things considered, you oh, can get, I know. Could I get know, sick, but, injured, whatever. I'm with you on that. But I just got to say, use that, players use that excuse. Well, I mean, it, it, whatever. I mean, it's happening all over. It won't be the last time. I got a couple of things to hit you up on before I get, let you go out of here. John Thompson died today. I'm not sure how many people know what a terrific coach he was. Uh, he was a little abrupt. Uh, he offended some people, but he was a man's man who happened to be black. He was such a rogue. Somebody wrote today. He was a. We might have been, and if Jim Beheim said it, he might have been the first role model of college basketball who was black. Think about it in terms of a coach. And he turned out a lot of players. We didn't like the way they played sometimes. They played, uh, you know, they played what they call dirty basketball, but that was just aggressive. John Thompson was a really underrated coach, dying today at 78. And I think Jim Beheim said this, and you would know because you followed the game closely. He said, yeah, Duke and North Carolina, but there's a period of 15 years in the Big East where it was all about Syracuse and Georgetown. Oh, absolutely. Um, I knew John, and uh, I wouldn't call him a close friend, but I knew him. We were acquaintances. I'll put it this way. Um, Good friend of, of Dean Smith, who was a close friend of mine. And um, Dean, Dean Smith uh, thought the world of John Thompson, both as a man and as a coach. Um, all you got to do is listen to, if you have ever listened to the eulogy of, of Dean Smith 
the many eulogies at his uh, memorial service there in Chapel Hill. And then you get to that part where John Thompson uh, takes over and commands the room. And Big John, JT could do that. He could command the room. And, and he had, you know, he had had this, you know, voice of God. You know, we, we hear that expression. And was it a loud, boisterous coach? But when he spoke, he had that tone of voice. You know what it's like? I mean, hey, when, when your dad, growing up, you and I know the same thing. We talked about this on a road trip once before, about how our dad and how our mom each had a certain tone of voice that when we heard it, we knew you better do it right or else you are in the deepest and the darkest. And John could do that with his players on a basketball court. In fact, I, I've heard it said that John Thompson had the voice that your dad had all the time and made, made you think like that. But I don't think he ever got credit for how good a basketball coach he really was. Uh, people think, well, he only won one national championship. But as Bayheim pointed out, the Big East was brutal in those days. I mean, if you could make it, by the time oh, yeah. we got to March Madness, if you had won the Big East Championship, the, the NCAA tournament was almost like a vacation, and, and you almost were, were ready for the season to be over because of all of the brutal games you had been through. And, and I don't think John ever got credit for that. I don't think he ever got credit for for this fact. He graduated his players. I mean, all but two, all but kept, two. Ha, kept a deflated mm. basketball on his desk. That was the most prominent thing you'd see on his desk, buddy. And what he the first thing he'd tell a recruit, and he told his freshmen, and he told all of his players consistently, if you don't get your education. That's what life is going to be. Yeah, a deflated basketball. All right, moving um, moving on real quick because I got some things I want you to answer for until you lose. I lose you. Uh, another injury today for the wide receivers. Timothy Gray mentions that uh, Georgia lost her number two guy today. He's out for the season, uh, and, and now suddenly, who has the best core since Javon, Jamar Chase is gone? You got to take a look at Alabama, don't you, in the SEC? Well, Alabama's got the best wide receivers. But I got to tell you something. This uh, this team that uh, here in Gainesville, Florida, they're going to be pretty darn good. Well, they yeah. will be, but going into the season, they're they're yeah. not who's because got, they don't have the most yeah. experienced guys. Alabama yeah. got them. Auburn's got them. Florida's got them. Those are the, those are your three that you got to look. So at. We know now. what's behind those first four guys, and we know, we, of course, they don't count the tight end, and we do. But we know that they're they got some really good talent and got the best wide receiver coach in the business, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Oh, yeah. So if you remember when Billy left the first time when Urban was there, and a couple of guys came in, one of them was a friend of mine. They could not get separation as the wide receivers, and it, it never was the same again. Uh, and until a few times when McElwain got you know guys downfield deep, they couldn't get separation. And these guys know the game and how to play it. Those four seniors last year, they were really wonderful. And what team players? It's a great standard here. So 
you're right. Florida could be that guy. Florida could be the, that team that by the end of the year could be right up there among the best. Michael P. Ryan got hurt today. Too bad because he's looking so good with the Jets. He broke off one over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, injured his ankle. Don't know what how bad it was, but, but some things are going good for him. Um, and by the way, speaking of LSU guys, Leonard Fournette, cut, gone, goodbye. Yeah, and and the, the Jags knew they weren't going to be able to sign him Uh to to a contract and uh, they they cut him uh, cut their losses. It's 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 unbelievable how many guys have, they've just cut and released, traded, whatever like that. Uh, I'll make a bet with you. Leonard Fournette winds up with the New England Patriots. Hmm. Okay, you watch that. He will wind up with the New England Patriots. And with Cam Newton at quarterback and and Leonard Fournette at tailback, along with Sony Michelle, the Patriots are going to be a ground and pound team, which is kind of what they they were when Belichick first started winning yep. championships. Yep. There, they they grind, you know, pound you, pound you, pound you, then throw it over the top a bit. They. They gradually shifted to more of an of a throwing game as Brady got into about his fifth or sixth season. But uh, when they first started winning, it was more of a pound it away and then throw it over the top when, when they made the safeties mm-hmm. come up. And I think that's kind of what they're looking at doing again. Um, but uh, Fournette, uh, gosh, I, I just can't. I don't know what's going on over at Jacksonville, but uh, you know, I, yeah. I don't know if they've even got a plan. But it doesn't seem like it. Well, crazy. Uh, before I let you go, I'm going to ask you two questions. I'll give you your two minutes on them. You pick your spots. I talk a lot about Brenton Cox tonight in the presser. How do you get number one jersey? But uh, we haven't played it down. Uh, Grantham said there are things you do in our program that involve a lot of different things. And, and obviously playing, I don't think anybody has a question. He, I think he feels like he's got a potential star. He knows he has a potential star. Skill-wise, he said he's got to learn a, a few a few fundamentals. And he said, I want to see him play a couple of times before I exalt him. That was a, you know, before I make him say so he wants to see him play. But you know he's got the tools. And he said how he got the number one jersey is he said because the way he handles himself socially mm-hmm. – because he excels in the classroom, he's a really good student. His decorum is obviously good, and he has a great desire to be a football player, a good football player, a great football player. So he won't say too much about it other than the fact that, you know, he, you know this guy's got number one. He's coming. All right, Francis, here's the, here's the poll. Here's the rankings for a sports book, the odds. You gotta, I'm going to give you $1,000, okay? In the SEC, here's the SEC titles, the winning the t- the title odds. All right, Alabama's even. Georgia is eleven to four. Florida is six to one. Texas A&M is sixteen to one. Auburn LSU twenty to one. Now, by the way, I just sent my ticket off. I hope I get my money back to the casino in uh, Phoenix, where uh, where I had uh, Las Vegas, where I had the. Uh, with the Terry Bradshaw, I bet the money on Florida. I bet a hundred. I'm not a gambler, and I got 220 coming. I feel I finally found my tickets. So hopefully, I will get that check. I don't have it yet. So I'm one for one. I'm going to retire. 
No more gambling to bet there. <laughs> so, Francis, you got $1,000 to bet. Who do you like there? Well, I, I like Alabama at even. Uh, and I, I, I'd put, uh, I'd put $400 on Alabama coming out of the West. Yeah. And I'd put, uh, I'd put uh, $100 on Auburn. And Auburn, wow. Why, yeah, I'll tell you why I would. And Auburn's going to get. I think Auburn is going to get a boost right out of the uh, out of the box by playing Georgia in game two, and I think they're going to beat Georgia, which is why I'd put Georgia at about forty to one instead of of uh, eleven to four. I think Georgia will go down along with LSU as a team that's vastly overrated. I don't care how many players they got back on defense; they're going to have to score points and I don't think they're going to. I think that they're they're gonna look like lost balls in the tall grass on offense again. Um I I like uh over in the east I I like I'd put three hundred on Florida. Um and yeah, just out because they're Georgia, I'd put a hundred on Georgia. Oh, you're betting on the pools. I knew I'd get you out of that. See, I mean, I, I know you got you got a you got. Oh, a, yeah, my let me put words. it. I'd, make, I'd put three hundred and fifty on the Gators, and I'd put <laughs> 50, I'd on put Georgia. fifty on the pools. I knew I'd talk you out of it. Back I'd put you fifty down. on the. I'd put fifty on the poodles. I'd put fifty on Tennessee, and I'd put fifty on uh, Kentucky. You got the final two minutes, Francis. Go. Um, you know, buddy, I, I, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm making disparaging remarks about social justice because Lord knows, you know, I, I remember my conversation with Lomas Brown and, 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 and I, I have, I've had some conversations in the last week with, with some people in the African American community here. And I think that we've got to, I think that we've got to have some dialogue here. And I think we're, I think we're past that point in time. I think that protesting, you know, has gone off the rails in some respects. And what I'm not hearing is I'm not hearing, I'm not hearing athletes in particular talk about, let's sit down and talk out our differences. I hear them. I hear too many athletes right now continuing to hype the protests and so forth like that. And I don't hear enough of them saying, and, and, and I say this not to try to be disparaging toward the athletes and, and their issues, because I know that they have issues. But I think that they're going to get a lot more traction if they're going to say, you know what? These are our issues. We are ready to sit down and talk. Are you ready to come talk to us? I think they'd get far more traction that way. And not only that, buddy, I think that they would get far more respect out of that because um, I, I just I, we're not getting anywhere with, with the continued protests. I can tell you that much. I've talked to too many people who are saying, I'll never watch another NBA game. I'll never watch another NFL game, etc. like that. Um, we don't need to be having that discussion. What we need to be having is a discussion like, how can we sit down and talk this stuff out and come to some and really come to some meaningful 
dialogue that will lead to ch- that will lead to real change because so many people look up to the athletes and i think that the athletes have this unique position that if 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 people only see them protesting protests will fizzle out you know protests will fizzle out if there's not a corresponding action and i don't know that protests alone will get the corresponding action um i I go back to years when you and i were growing up you were a little older than i am but one of the things that always always impressed me so much about dr king was he was always willing to sit down and talk yes he protested but he made sure that the door was always open to talk and i'd like to see that happen I really and truly would like to see that happen. I'd like to see dialogue between coaches and players, uh, players and the general public, and talk about their perceptions. Because there's a lot of real stuff out there that, that black players and black people, in African American people in general, have to go through that we don't have a clue about. But you know, the protests have gotten everybody's attention. They've only ta- they can only take us so far. The rest of the way is going to have to be done. I've achieved, I think, with dialogue. And, and like yet, I must say, I, that visual of Nick Saban with his team today walking in Tuscaloosa was a powerful one. Yeah. Uh, one, no, no matter what side you're on, and the cops flanking him, and uh, uh, and I, I got to give props to Saban for being a 68 year old man and that heat going out there walking with his team and making a statement. And he knew he'd be criticized, and he was. Of course, yeah. so they came after him. Well, you know, you're you can't believe in that black left. It's a tough deal. I'm learning. You're learning. We're all learning. Yeah. I'm getting educated by my friends like Lauren Meadows, um, mm-hmm. um, uh, Ben Troop. We're having conversations. That's the good part. So, but see, that's you just said the key word, buddy. You're having the conversations, and and that's what ha- needs to happen, and it has to happen on a broader scale. We got to have the conversations. People got to sit down and start talking because at some point the people were, are going to get tired of the protest. At All some right. point the protests will fizzle out. But dialogue can continue, and dialogue will earn the respect of everybody. And All right. we got to have it. Thank you, Francis. Good job. Appreciate it. Sorry we're late getting to you tonight, but we had a few little business to conduct, and we'll talk to you later in the week, my friend. Take care, everybody. All right, France Beard checking in with us here as he does on Mondays and Thursdays and sometimes other times. You just never know about the Iron Duke. He's always there. He just fills it up. All right, I want to thank our sponsors once again. Uh, Red Star Medical Research, my friends over there, uh, Joe Sorrentino, Mary Brantley. He's been with me a long time. I appreciate their support. Uh, also, a special thank you to Jeffrey Meldon, who in addition to being the sponsor of Meldon Law Monday, now has stepped up to be a supporter of the Ocala Quarterback Club, of the Scott Brantley Trophy, and a member of these prestigious Lighthouse Builders of the Gator Bait, which is a group of 30 people, all numbered memberships, lifetime members, who will support and also help adjudicate any issues as an advisory board for Gator Bait. I want to thank everybody tonight, our special guest, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, Graham Hall, and, of course, Franz Beard, and then, of course, Jeffrey Meldon, who also was on with us, and Urban Meyer. Lots of big things coming your way. Have a good night, folks. Talk to you tomorrow.